You've always had what it takes to make it happen. And we know the right tools can make it easier. At Strayer University, we're always thinking about new ways to set you up for success. That's why we give you a brand new laptop when you enroll in a bachelor's program. So you can start off on the right foot and keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Eligibility rules, restrictions, and exclusions apply. Connect with us for details. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by Chef. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. This is... This is Cruise Radio. Hey, what's up? How's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thanks for checking out this bonus episode of Cruise Radio. An interview with former cruise line executive Art Sabarskia. We tackle a lot of things like lifeguards on cruise ships. We're talking about Alaska and the ships sailing up there. And just a one-on-one chat with Art and I about his thoughts on the current state of the industry. Uh, I'm just curious. I, I want your help on this. If you want more of these interviews and you like this, let me know. If you don't, I'll do less of them. Very simple because I am here for you. So uh, I appreciate that. All right. Before we get to Art, Cruise Radio News. It's our Cruise Radio Facebook group. Come join the Cruise Conversation. Also, our website. Have a new search feature on there and some deck plans as well. Take a look at it at cruiseradio.net. All right. Here's our interview with Art Sabarsky. We taped late April in Fort Lauderdale. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. So we first met on Norwegian Epic July of 2010. LeBron James just got traded to Miami. Is that what it was? I think that was the night um, that he made the announcement that he was taking his talents to South Beach. Mm -hmm. And the, the only people that were happy about that were the people from... Uh, Miami or who, <laughs> Heat fans from out, out of the state um, because the way in which he did it the arrogance that he showed with that mm-hmm. uh, was was funny but hearing about it uh, getting the word while we were out at sea and it was still relatively early days for cell phones. Yeah, wasn't, weren't you one of the people that were keeping I, tabs on it? Yes. Well, I, ha- I had my little flip phone, <laughs> yeah. and people were uh, people like Stuart Sharon and Marjorie were giving me so much grief about having a flip phone, but I was the first one to get the word. That's Somehow awesome. I received it quicker than they did with all their fancy phones. That's great. So it, from my standpoint, it worked out well. Nice. And then from there, we, uh, we saw each other again on Celebrity Reflection, I think. And then we've just become friends. We sailed later that year on Carnival Liberty for Funship 2.0 and right. had lots of, uh, what do they call those, yards of beer? The, you know, they have a name for it, but it's the really tall ones that yeah. you know, are almost <laughs> embarrassing to admit that you drink. But I've, I've enjoyed the friendship because being, being a little bit older than you, being like essentially twice your age, mm-hmm. okay, and coming at it from a corporate background, to me, part of the joy is listening to other people and hearing their experiences and seeing them experiencing the growth of the cruise industry. Yeah. The industry now that I joined in, I joined the industry really in 83 when I started handling Sitmar Cruises advertising. Mm-hmm. Sitmar doesn't even exist anymore. They were bought by Princess in 88. Cruising is now, 30 some odd years later, exactly the same as it was when I started in that You've got a pointy end at the front. Mm-hmm. You've got a round end or a squared <laughs> off end at the back. A cruise uh, takes you places. It gives you a place to stay. It feeds you. It entertains you. It gives you things to do. And it pampers you like crazy. That hasn't changed. What has changed is the way they've done it. And people that are... Um, Travel agents, especially who are coming into it right now, mm-hmm. have no idea how good it is compared to what it used to be. And in a way, it doesn't matter 
um, when I hear Arnold Donald, who's doing a great job for Carnival Corp, talking about this is the golden age of cruising, mm -hmm. that was a phrase I heard back in the middle 80s, <laughs> 1980s, not 1880s, <laughs> about that then was the golden age of cruising because it was when, right after Royal Princess, the original Royal Princess came out, which is the ship that revolutionized cruising. Mm -hmm. um, it had the flat deck design as opposed to the ships that had the old curve uh, in, in the deck. Uh, it was all outside rooms. It was the first ship that had 25% balconies. Wow. I mean, it was unheard of, the things that they did with that ship back in sort of the late 80s. And so things have continued to evolve amazingly. Back then, I'm just curious, like, so in the 80s, was only the affluent and wealthy cruising, or could anyone afford to cruise? Because like, I just bought a cruise on Carnival Liberty last month, and I, only, I paid 169 for it. Wow. How was pricing back then? Pricing back then, relative to now, you, you hear cruise executives whining about the mm -hmm. fact that prices have not kept up um, with the market, partially, and being one of them at one point. I think they've done that to themselves. But back then, yes, people, relatively speaking, um, with not that much money could cruise because you had cruise lines like Home Lines, Holland America Lines, Sitmar, even Princess back when they first started. Norwegian was out. And all those ships all had upper level categories and they had lower level categories. And the lower level categories were very inexpensive by comparison. The rooms were in, inside. They were smaller, oftentimes bunk beds. Mm -hmm. But you could still get cruises. I, I, I don't remember the exact prices, sure. but in those days, most, most um, uh, rooms on a ship, whether you call them cabins, staterooms, or just rooms, <laughs> um, didn't have TVs. Okay. Um, they, they didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have um, all the fancy uh, amenities that even the most basic of ships have now. They certainly did not have a veranda. And yet, even modestly priced ships now, almost every room has a veranda. Mm -hmm. But back then, the whole theory about cruising was you don't spend much time in your room. You're out on deck, you're um, eating, you're, you're in port, whatever. And so you didn't spend much time in your room except for sleeping, changing, and whatever else sure. takes place. <laughs> but the rooms were way more basic, and that's, that is one, one very big difference. But the, the rooms were just more basic. I remember cruising as a kid with my parents on uh, a fantasy class ship, and I, I remember it being like, it was a couple thousand dollars for a three-night cruise for five of us. And we were in an ocean view room, so comparatively speaking from then to now, it seems like price cruising is a, is a great value. Cruising is an astonishing value mm -hmm. uh, in two ways. One, because it hasn't kept up with inflation. Um, and 9-11 did have an impact on that, let's be realistic. But compared to, if, if you take any, any class of ship, whether it be fantasy class, whether it be um, quantum class, uh, whether it be crystal, whether it be NCL, whether it be victory cruises mm -hmm. on the Great Lakes, and you compare that to the equivalent hotel, what you get on a cruise for your dollars, is going to be a much better deal and way less inexpensive than a land-based trip. 
Have you ever sailed on Victory? I have not. Side story here is that ship was laid up in Jacksonville ah, for years. Okay. And my dad's a retired ship captain and river pilot. So he actually piloted that ship from um, Jacksonville to dry dock to get it beefed up, make it seaworthy before wow. it went up north to the, uh, to the Great Lakes area. So your dad was a ship captain. Mm-hmm. And you have you got a pilot's license at 19. Yeah. There's way more to, to you and your family than, than most people would know, of course. I like to keep it modest. Yeah. Uh, you went from advertising. Did you go right into Crystal Cruises then? Yes. I, I uh, was in the advertising business from uh, 1965 until 1988. And I joined Crystal. At, uh, actually, um, I was recommended for the job uh, by someone uh, who I knew at my Sitmar days, whose advertising I handled. I was the original senior VP of marketing at Crystal, and I was properly qualified for about 10% of my job. <laughs> um, I had no idea what I was doing from out of it, but then again, I was new at it, and so uh, it was it was a great experience, and we were luxury, and we were uh, very very highly rated uh, right from the beginning. Um, we were uh, placed in the marketplace with Royal Viking Line and uh, Cunard in those days, which had the two uh, ships, Sagafjord and Vistafjord, which were considered to be the most luxurious. And we redefined what luxury cruising was like. Did Crystal Harmony come out under your yes. tenure there? Yes, Crystal Harmony came out. Uh, maiden Voyage was July 24th, 1990. And it was early too, right? It depends on the definition of okay. early, okay? <laughs> there were too many ships in those days that were being delivered late. Mm-hmm. So we hedged on when it was going to come out. We built in some extra time. Gotcha. But we had an incentive with the contract with NYK Line uh, over in Japan where we built the ship. Um, that was our parent company. We built the ship at Mitsubishi Heavy Industries. Mm-hmm. And we had an incentive deal with them in terms of um, they deliver early, a little you know, differently, sure. whatever. Our first cruise was uh, July 24th, uh, 1992, Alaska. I was with Crystal up until 95, after we delivered Crystal Symphony, mm-hmm. and then uh, there were some management changes, and I left in 95, and I um, did some consulting work in between uh, for Carnival Corporation, and then in spring 96, I started for Celebrity, and I was with Celebrity for two years, and I would have been with Celebrity forever if we had not gotten back, bought by Royal Caribbean mm-hmm. during, during my time. And I got treated beautifully by Royal Caribbean and by Richard Fain especially. But we were the stepchild brand that a lot of people there didn't want. And so when NCL came my way, Norwegian Cruise Line came my way with an incredible offer, um, a a giant promotion package to go along with it in early uh, 98, um, I had to take it. Right around the start of freestyle cruising, Right around the start of freestyle cruising, <laughs> yes. <right. laughs> Actually, and I will say this, um, Colin Veach came in as president after the takeover, but six months before he did, we had our annual executive committee meeting, and the, uh, the subject of sort of freestyle cruising came up, and I discussed it with Colin, actually, uh, when he first started, and it was something that the parent company, Star Cruises, was doing. Mm-hmm. And... He just got really excited about it. And what they came out with uh, not that long thereafter has revolutionized cruising. Perhaps no other single moment has galvanized the, uh, certainly the contemporary category the way they did. And they forced every other cruise line to make changes accordingly. 
And here we are 17 years later right now, and it's just accepted that that's the way cruising is going to be. Yeah. Uh, with freedom of choice, freedom of when you do this, freedom of, let's be realistic. You still don't have total choice. It's not like you can go to a show lounge mm -hmm. and say, okay, put on Grease for me now. <laughs> okay, it's not like you can go to um, every restaurant and say, okay, I'm ready. I mean, you're, you're surrounded by a whole lot of other people and they do have to have schedules, mm -hmm. but there is certainly more flexibility now than, than there ever was. And so now in the last 17 years, um, I've just sat back and retired and enjoyed um, I think my last cruise two weeks ago was my 119th cruise Wow! in that time. So, yeah, I'm out on ships a lot. Norwegian started cruising from Seattle up to Alaska under your watch too, right? Uh, well, we signed the contract under my watch. Awesome. Uh, we signed the contract, and I believe it was uh, 99. We were going to be the first cruise line to sail a uh, round trip to Alaska um, out of Seattle. Uh, most ships in those days were sailing round trip out of either San Francisco, which Crystal was doing, or round trip out of Vancouver, which was the primary port. Uh, and see, Vancouver is a great pre and post city. It really is. But there were significant advantages to sailing um, in and out of Seattle. Uh, number one, Seattle was also a beautiful place. And by Seattle, you're not dealing with customs the same way you are with, with Canada. Yeah. So Seattle became, and now is, again, accepted for what it is. The reason I hedged is because the first sailings out of, of Seattle were after I left, <laughs> after I left NCL. Well, yesterday we were sitting in the Norwegian press conference and Norwegian Bliss is their next ship coming out and they're building, they're, they're saying it's purpose-built for Alaska and the Caribbean, which whatever that means. But what do you think about Norwegian Bliss, like a ship that big sailing from Seattle up to the Alaska area? Well, you, you've got Two things that you have to take into consideration there. Uh, one is the size of mm -hmm. the ship. Um, sailing on um, uh, a ship that's carrying three, 4,000 people is a very, very different experience than going to Alaska and sailing on a ship that has 30 people on, which you can do with um, American Safari mm -hmm. uh, cruises. Um, it, it's, it's a very different experience just in some of these ports uh, the number of people that are going into a specific port right now, Ketchikan, Sitka, Juneau, whatever, um, can be overwhelming to the port. Um, the, the Alaska ports have become homogenized to a very, to me, to a very sad degree. Um, but Bliss, um, they obviously they know what they're doing up there. They've got all the ground operations uh, in place. Um, there are a tremendous number of shore excursions that people can do right now. Um, Bliss, when they started talking about purpose-built for Alaska, I really didn't know what that meant. Right. And to be quite honest, I still don't know exactly what that means. They Seeing the renderings of those, those uh, forward observation lounges looks terrific because Alaska is a visual experience. And if you don't have enough place for people to see out, um, uh, it, it's going to be a problem. One thing they announced, which I did not know, was in their haven, which is the uh, ups, upscale area, where they have the pool in the haven, they're going to have a, 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 a roof that slides closed if there's inclement weather, which can be very good for Alaska. Um, but the, the whole artwork looks great. But the whole artwork, to me, is very pretty, but that doesn't necessarily make it custom-built for right. Alaska. Um, <laughs> But 
based on what, what they've revealed so far, it looks great. I want to uh, switch gears here. I want to ask you your thoughts on, of course, Disney Cruise Line was one of the first cruise lines to hire lifeguards at their pools. Royal Caribbean did it. Norwegian Cruise Line just announced that between now and 2018, they'll have them fleet-wide. What do you think of this shift? I mean, do you, do you think that it's a good idea, or do you think it's the parents' responsibility to watch their kids? I don't have kids. I, yeah. I, I've never had kids. And I see, um, whether it be a land-based resort property with kids there or a, a cruise ship, I see kids running around and doing things on cruise ships. Sometimes they do it well-behaved, and sometimes they act like kids. Which mm-hmm. They're kids. They're entitled to. Um, when it comes to the swimming pools, I personally think it's the parents' responsibility to control their children and to monitor their safety. Every time I read about a child drowning or nearly drowning in a shipboard pool, my first reaction is, where were the parents? It's heartbreaking. Because it's heartbreaking to hear of a two-year-old kid. But to me, why is a two-year-old kid on his own around a swimming pool? To me, mm-hmm. I just don't get it. Um, I know that parents are more permissive on cruise ships than they are on land vacations. I understand that. But, you know, I've been at this for a long time, and if I'm not mistaken, no child has ever gone over the side of a cruise ship, Mm -hmm. okay? Ships are properly built. Kids aren't climbing over the railings. Kids climb. Kids climb. That's something they do. Parents just sometimes are just too permissive with what they let their kids do on cruise ships. Yeah. I could say that the lifeboat thing is, is the PC world that we live in right now. And I'm, I'm, if that's the case, I'm happy to see it. After what happened with the child who was dragged off by an alligator at Disney a year or two years yeah, ago. Yeah, last year. Horrible. I mean, what a horrifying thing that would be for parents. But why was the kid on his own? Sure. You know? And so I, I, I don't think I can make any proper value judgment, but I think it's good for the cruise lines to do that. I was on Harmony of the Seas. And I talked to the, uh, it was just two weeks ago, and I talked to the uh, lifeguard supervisor about what his role was. And he says, no matter what we do, we can't replace the parents. Because mm-hmm. there are seven of them. There are seven lifeguards. Yeah. How can they control 2,000 kids, 18 and under, and 6,400 people in total on a ship that size? So it still comes down to parental control, which is the uh, carnival uh, philosophy still comes down to parents. I was, but, I was wondering how long, I'm sure Carnival Cruise Line is going to follow suit. I mean, they almost have to, wouldn't they, with Norwegian and Royal doing it? I asked them that question yesterday, and they're not, they have no plans at this point. It's interesting. To, uh, to, to their way of thinking, uh, it is up to the parents uh, to monitor it. They do have pool monitors, but it's not the same thing as a, a trained mm-hmm. lifeguard. Um, I would submit... In, in the not-too-existent future, uh, they're going to have to. Because if their two main competitors uh, in general, Royal and NCL, have it, and if the main family cruise line has it, Disney, they're yeah. going ha- to have to have it. You're right. Yeah, totally. Uh, across the board, we're seeing more cruise lines becoming more inclusive and starting to eliminate the solo supplement fee, both on the Riverside and the Ocean Cruise Line side. What are your thoughts on this trend? All-inclusive is a very, very difficult term because all-inclusive just means to the great degree that you're paying for it up front mm-hmm. or you're paying it piecemeal. Um, and it doesn't matter whether that's poor taxes, booze, shore excursions, whatever. Um, whatever 
it is that you're buying, whatever it is that you're getting, you're paying for it. And that same thing exists with any hospitality form. So um, I think it's great to have um, consistent pricing. I wish more of the mainstream markets would get away from the uh, tipping, for example. Uh, all, the main mar all the main cruise lines just announced an increase in their per diem tipping with different tipping amounts for regular staterooms versus the suites. Mm -hmm. um, it just adds one more level of discord and confusion. It's very difficult for travel agents to keep track of everything. If all the tipping were included, the price would go up. People would pay more. There would be a period of adjustment. They'd adjust. Life would go on. Single subs are difficult because except for the cruise lines that have rooms that are built for singles, mm -hmm. um, you have two, two beds in a room for the most part. And if one of them goes empty, that's revenue lost. And with everybody controlled by the stock, uh, the stock analysts these days, uh, if you don't fill up your ships, you pay the price in the stock market. Coming from someone who used to work in the cruise industry, would you personally like to see the gratuities rolled into the price of the cruise and just forget about the envelope system, forget about the adding the $12, $13 per person per day charge? Yes. Probably the simplest answer I can totally. give you is yes. I, I, I just think it would be so much easier. Um, it, take, it, would, it would make it so much easier for people on board. Um, uh, they, don't, they wouldn't have to worry about it. It was funny. I was on a sailing two years ago out of Jacksonville, and I was sitting with um, this family, and gratuities came up, and she's like, well, how do you do gratuities? I said, well, I just prepay my gratuities. And the lady says, oh, we take ours off on the very last night. Our travel agents told me we didn't have to pay it. And I was like, face plant. Oh, really? So it's had a family of five. And I'm like, they're busting their butt for you. And then you're going to, when you leave the main dining room the last night, try to, yeah. But. You know, you're looking at some, it's, it's about 500 bucks for a family of five. It's about, you know, it's 15 bucks a day mm -hmm. per person. Um, you, couldn't, you couldn't get that kind of service at a land-based resort for no. 15 bucks. No. And, and, I, and I, for people who are that cheap, uh, that they would go to that extent to wipe it out or for a travel agent to recommend that. I think that's reprehensible. I, totally. I really do. Um, I, I, I am, I'm just one of those people who tips more um, the, on a percentage basis when I go to less expensive restaurants because those people are still working just as hard at fancier restaurants and they get less tipping because the price of the meal is cheaper. Um, or, you know, it, it, to me... Service is service, and if I get good service, um, I have a place I go to once a week when I'm in town. It happens to be a sushi buffet restaurant, and practically before I get to my, my seat, um, they all know me, and my iced tea is waiting for me at my table. Okay? <laughs> That's awesome. It's incredible service. Okay? Yeah. Um, on, on cruise ships, I, I know there are people that do that. I know there are nationalities that don't like tipping, um, and then when they come to on, on a U.S. ship, they feel they shouldn't have to tip. Um, that's just bogus, and I think that's, it, fortunately, it's a very small percentage of people, and it's made up for by people that over-tip, it's made up for people that are on a luxury ship, they will still tip people even when tips are included, mm -hmm. but yes, I'd be very happy if tipping were just not a factor. 
Cafe. I yeah, just don't. Because I'm sailing, I'm sailing on Carnival Legend um, from Hawaii to Australia in September. Wow. And they actually roll the gratuities into the price of the whole cruise. Wonderful. So it's, I like that. It's great. You don't have to, th- you don't have to yeah. think about it. How long cruise is that? 17 nights. How many days at sea? I think it's going to be like eight days total. There's wow. a ton of South Pacific islands on the itinerary. Sounds great. Yeah. I'm ex- Are you going to the two motos and the Marquesas? At all? Um, you know what? I'm not really sure. It's like New Caledonia, Bora Bora, Morea. Right. Like all those. Part of the Spice Island, also yeah. known as Tahiti. Yeah. Okay. So. Are you going to Fiji? Yes. Oh, man. You can't beat it. It was like 1300 bucks, And the Australian dollar is weaker than ours right, right now. So it was really like 25% cheaper because I had to pay in, um, in AUS. In the, in the, okay. Yeah. Or AUD. So, um, That's going to be a great cruise. Yeah, so wow. totally looking forward to that. Oh, in closing here, because I've had you for almost, <laughs> almost 30 minutes here. Uh, what's your favorite itinerary right now? Well, there are places I haven't gone, so mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't include them. We've always had um, a good time in the Med, though. I, 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 I love the Med. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the Med all the way from uh, east to west. There are, it is so port-rich in terms of the experience um, and there are so many different cultures along the Med, and they stand out from each other in, in so many significant ways. There's so much um, history in the area. I'm heartbroken by what happened in the Black Sea mm-hmm. uh, because it wiped out a whole uh, cruise, air, uh, cruise area. Um, I'm heartbroken whenever I see an attack in Istanbul or any of the other ports. But I would say I would never get tired of going to the Med. We had a fun day in Naples. You and I did. Well, I guess a group of us did. A group of us did. You, you pizza us, day. Yeah, you, you had brought us on a pizza and beer tour, right? Is that what it was? It was pizza and beer tour. Naples, obviously, is the home of the original uh, pizza. Mm-hmm. Um, Margarita Pizza was created there uh, to look like the uh, Italian flag, red, white, and green. I, I love everything Italian, mm-hmm. so that has something to do with it. But there are so... Naples is... Naples is a city that has a lot of love-hate to it because uh, for a while there it was considered to be very dangerous. Um, and for a while there they had trouble with their unions, even with, with garbage and stuff. But Naples is a thriving, disparate, wonderful city uh, right in the heart of things. And so, again, I, I don't get tired of going there. You walked us through this square um, and it was it was very famous. I can't remember what square it was. This, there's a lot of statues square. in it's it. It's the main square, yeah. And we found a pizza place right in that square, just off that square mm-hmm. um, last summer. And I was like, I remember Art brought us here. Brandy's. We sat there and we ate pizza and we drank beer and wine for like three, almost four hours really. But there was a group of us. Okay. We had a great conversation, great uh, time and just... One of my favorite foods um, is grilled calamari. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a big... Uh, fried calamari fan because I think it lose the taste of the, the calamari. But every different place along the, the Mediterranean, calamari is really big and they all grill it in with different spices and mm-hmm. stuff. So that's one of my favorite things, whether it be Istanbul, whether it be in, in Greece, whether it be in Italy, whatever. It's, it's, it's just... I Unfortunately, I also know people that will get off, a, take a cruise and never get off the ship and eat. So... But, but that, that was me on my first med cruise. Okay. You changed me on that, though. But, but you know something? <laughs> You're not alone. A lot of people go on a cruise, and partially because they're afraid of the foreign. Mm-hmm. That was me. I was very intimidated. Okay. And I was my first time also. Um, and also, a lot of people figure, since they've already paid for the meals on the ship, 
Why should they spend any more money on food ashore? That's, and that's just not restricted to the entry-level cruise lines. There are people who go on luxury cruises where the food is included, and the food is sensational, obviously, but also where booze is included and tips are included with the fare. And they also feel they should, why should they go eat a meal in Naples mm-hmm. or um, uh, Istanbul when the food is already paid for and on the ship? So, but everybody, and again, everybody does it and everybody comes back and 99% of people come back from a cruise and have a great time. We also had a good day in Mallorca, didn't we? We did. Tapas and more beer. There's a theme here. There's a theme here. And and with you and me specifically, it's beer. And there was a a question that they had at the main session. They had some trivia type questions. And they asked, um, one of the questions was, how much beer is served on an average day on a cruise ship? And it was an A, B, C, D. And under, under my breath, I'm thinking, well, it depends on whether Doug and I are on board. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. It, it's, and again, um, food is uh, the, the number one memory of a cruise. Of a cruise. Mm-hmm. And if, uh, depending on the itinerary, I was just on a very basic itinerary that went to Nassau, St. Martin, and St. Thomas. Food ashore was not the primary right. focus of my experience. Because for me, I'm spoiled, I'm jaded, and uh, they're just very basic. All right, man, I know uh, you got to get going here, but thanks for taking the time to talk with me, man. It's, we don't get to do it enough. This is fun. Yeah. You, and you were really prepared today. Let me, get, <laughs> let me pay you a compliment. You know, usually we have more of a rambling conversation, but you really were focused today. You've come a long way in the seven years since I met you. I know. You, you, know, you really had. It's, 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 I, it's just a personal reflection. It's nice to see that. Thank you so much. I really Thank appreciate you. it, buddy. So what you just heard was pretty much a raw and unedited interview of Art and I's conversation. Thank you to him, too, because we were only supposed to chat for like 10 minutes, and we wound up going uh, a little bit over 30. So it's uh, it was great to talk to Art there. If you like these interviews, as I said in the beginning of the show, let me know. If you don't let me know, and I'll do less of them, uh, you can write me an email, Doug, at cruiseradio.net, or send me a tweet or Facebook at Cruise Radio. So with that said, I'll talk to you a little later on in the week. Thank you so much for being here. Cruise Radio is produced weekly at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Hear Cruise Radio on iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, iTunes, or at cruiseradio.net. For sales and marketing opportunities, email sales at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.